Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> hey, everybody, Froth here. Fod Eater Podcast and Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for listening. Happy Tuesday. The cycle continues. The froth cycle of podcasts and blogs starts anew. Uh, today's Tuesday, so that means we're doing some top three lists on various topics, gaming related and otherwise. And uh, today we've got a ton of call-ins to get to. A ton. Might as well call this one the Anchorite Show or something because uh, lots of legendary Anchorites chimed in on all kinds of topics from uh, music to drummers and and everything else. And um, so it's going to be good to listen to if you're just checking the show out for the first time and you're wondering about how the call-ins work, well, it's one of the great things about podcasting on Anchor. Uh, it's what really separates it from other platforms. You can call into other people's shows with the Anchor app and, and leave messages, and it's uh, allowed a bunch of us to kind of build a community, legendary Anchorites, folks doing podcasts. You can call in, share your thoughts. It uh, makes for kind of cross-pollination of of uh topics and shows and uh it's uh really special it's been a lot of fun podcasting over these last six seven months or so so but anyway like i said we got a ton of call-ins to get to that's enough of an intro we're going to start off with rich frazier legendary anchorite from the cockatrice nuggets podcast Hey, Froth, just wanted to jump in on one of your top threes here. Demons and Devils. Oh, my God, I love these things. I can't keep the blood war out of my campaign. Um, I keep trying to uh, let it go and let it go and let it go. But, man, blood war and hags, I I always, like, pepper it into my campaign. Anyway, what I was really calling to say was those Ed Greenwood articles. If anybody, it sounds like you've got them, but if anybody out there doesn't have them, um, there's this thing called Dragon Plus. It's an app. I think it's also a web app. Um, that's put out by Watsi and they put out like um, uh, a, a magazine quote unquote every couple of months and if you're not reading it it's totally not worth it so uh, just let you know but they do have some great downloads in there from time to time and they did put all the Edward Greenwood articles in uh, one last year I think in January and I think they recapped them all this year because of the Avernus stuff anyways uh, check out uh, Dragon Plus if you've got nothing else to do take it easy Thanks for the call, Rich. And, um, yeah, Dragon Plus, you know, uh, not a huge fan. gotta be honest. Um, especially right when it came out, I found it very disappointing. Um, uh, it has gotten better with some, you know, adding some downloads and stuff to it, but you know, at the same time, I understand it, you know, fourth edition had the dungeon and, and dragon, uh, PDFs and, it really made for a lot of system bloat and everything when you st- stand back and really look at it, but it just feels so transient just flipping through a little app or whatever. But you know, the kids these days, it's all about these apps and these newfangled apps. So I guess it's better than nothing, but that's kind of faint praise. Um, but appreciate the call. Next, we got s- several calls from Liren. It's talking about everything from music to grandparents to um what was the other thing she was talking about music i don't know we'll find out (laughs) i forgot already it shows you how my brain works 
Hey Froth, it's Liren. I've never been involved in the live music scene, but I used to really keep up with music for a while, and it's funny because I think at some point I reached the point of, uh, I'm trying to think of the right term for it. I mean like I think crotchety old lady, but I don't think that's really it. I just mean I reached the point where new music changed enough that I wasn't enjoying it as much as I enjoyed old music. But even as I say that, every once in a great while, like, I'll put on Buddha Bar for my granddaughter when she comes over at bedtime on Pandora, and I'll make a new find to be so excited. Like, Bittersweet was one of those, um, a band that I had never heard of, probably would have never heard of otherwise. So, anyway, thank you for your drumming again. <laughs> You're so wonderful at it. It's me again. <laughs> It seems I have a lot to say to you this morning. Um, you know what my thing about Poltergeist is? The snow on TVs. Luckily, we never have to see it anymore. But I'm telling you, I could not see snow on TVs without thinking of that movie afterwards. That creeped me out so much. At the time it happened, I think that movie started my love of psychological thrillers. Because it was the little tidbits that were psychological that really got me the most. It wasn't the obvious things like the guy peeling off his face. or uh, It wasn't the big things that I really, you know, really stuck with me. It was the little things like the snow on the TV. Hey Froth, I hope you know how lucky your daughter is to have grandparents like that. I had grandparents like that on one side, and I made some really enduring, magical memories with them. Sadly, my kids don't get grandparents like that on either side. My husband's parents were actually my grandparents' age, so they've passed away now, and even when they were alive, they couldn't really relate to my kids. They were from a different generation, and they wouldn't even let my older son call them grandpa and grandpa, grandpa and grandma even after my husband legally adopted him. So that was just a weird situation. So I hope that you're really grateful that your daughter has that because I can tell you from experience, oh my gosh, it's so meaningful later in life. And it really colors the way that I parented and the way that I grandparent. Anyway, have a good one. Poltergeist. Poltergeist was the other thing you were talking about. Now I remember. I told y'all it's a lot of messages today, so but a lot of call-ins, but it's good stuff. I think it's gonna make for a good show. So, but I might forget some things here and there. So, yes, I wanted to talk about what you said about grandparenting. Luckily, um, feel very blessed. My daughter, my mother's mom, my grandmother, my daughter's great grandmother, is still living and and doing reasonably well considering. You know, she's about to hit 90, so, um, and she also got to know her great-grandfather a little bit. Um, he died three years ago. He died actually within a week of my father. It was my mom's father, and my dad died within a week of each other just shortly after Christmas in the beginning of 2016. I actually uh, had to go to back-to-back -back funerals, back-to-back, -back, so... Oh, I don't mean to get too morbid, uh, but he was 91, so my, my mom's got the good genes on her side, and my, my dad's side is not so hot, so I think I got a mix, a mix going, but um, yeah, I, I'm, like I say, I'm blessed that 
she's gotten to know her and and the, and the my great grandmother's you know, my grandmother has gotten to know her um the generational thing is, is is priceless and uh precious and uh, but anyway i appreciated the call-ins Liren, and i also wanted to tell you that i appreciated you leaving me a message as well as uh, ivy and uh, tim and colin uh about her going to camp she is at camp as we speak uh my wife dropped her off yesterday dropped her and a bunch of other girl scout kids off my wife works with the girl scouts and uh came back and there were already tears last night you know just only a matter of hours after letting her go so my wife was crying and having a hard time i think it's gonna be great for her, you know to have that independence it's not like when when we were kids where you I, when i was seven i mean i was roaming the neighborhood all day long uh you know on the weekends or whatever and after school and we had woods and creeks and lakes and all kinds of stuff and you know it's not the same anymore um it's not the same anymore um but i think it's good that she'll be able to have some, some experiences of her own make her own judgments and, and that kind of thing but it's going to be hard but i appreciated y'all appreciated y'all a lot for saying something so thanks for that let's see who we're going to get to next um i think most of it starts to get into music so let's hear from joe richter from the wheel and woe poke uh podcast it's not on anchor uh wheel or woe it's like i say it's not on anchor but you can uh google it and find it easily here we go yo man what's up i just needed to call in and say that i love old genesis man the lamb lies down on broadway is one of my favorite albums of all time and the carpet creepers might be my favorite song of all time that song gives me chills every time i hear it peter gabriel's a man as you say collins just destroys the drums dude he tears it up so right on this is an awesome list also bonzo goes to bitburg is one of the goddamn i get so pumped up anytime i hear that song man keep up the great work have a good one peace out joe richter there from the wheeler woe podcast and yeah you know what you're talking about man seriously you know i mean you go back to that old genesis and uh even talking about it made me go back and listen to some of it i was listening to uh uh what is it dance of the dance with the moonlit night i guess the like the first track on uh selling england by the pound oh my gosh phil collins i mean they were all sick rutherford all of them hack it so yeah no doubt peter gabriel rocks that's I was trying to turn people on to it, but then now check this out. Check out what Colin Green has to say. Hey, Froth, uh, just listening to your top three Tuesdays. I, I, I love the old top three Tuesday, man. It's it's probably my favorite of your shows. And uh, guess what, man? My son, we was driving back from school and he, he called out two of your drummers. He, he picked your Copeland and Ringo Starr. So he predicted two of them. But I nearly crashed the car when you said Phil Collins. <laughs> and uh, like you said it, and I've gone, wow. And then you, 
And then you followed up with, oh, well, you might be surprised and went on to say what you said about Genesis. So I'm going to have to go back and check that out, man. But awesome. So funny. We was cracking up in the car, man, cracking up. Anyway, you take care. Have a good day. There's Colin Green there from Spike Pet. And, uh, well, first, you know, you're raising him right with the Stuart Copeland and Ringo. But, hey, I'm not, you know, I know it would sound strange maybe to some people that aren't aware of it because, you know, when I was growing up, it was uh, Phil Collins, you know, against all odds, that's a chance I got to take. Take a look at me now. Just, you know, Muzak kind of stuff. But... I mean, I got to say, though, you know, even stuff like Easy Lover and some of this stuff in the 80s that he's playing on, you know, he played on some Adam Ant stuff, uh, Puss in Boots, and there's some subtle nastiness to the drumming, but I'll tell you this, if uh, if y'all were laughing, thinking about Phil Collins, sit down with your son and go listen to Dancing with the Moonlit Night off the Selling England by the Pound album, and uh, the laughter will turn to tears. Uh, at least for me, thinking about trying to play some of the stuff that Phil Collins is playing on that on that song, unbelievable. Um, and, and you know, it, it's 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 wild how how what, what a variety of things you know Phil Collins did. But I mean, like I said, even in the '80s, you know, he had some iconic drum stuff. His drum fill on uh, "In the Air Tonight," for example, and then even in some of the later Genesis. Uh, there's a lot of drum loops and stuff going on, but what he's doing is it's it's sick drumming. Uh, but that nothing tops that early Genesis. That whole uh, selling England by the pound, I think you might like it, Colin. It's a very very English, uh, very very English album there, and uh, they tie a lot of folklore and and stuff into their uh, into a lot of their music, and it's very unusual, psychedelic prog rock. Uh, with uh, amazing musicianship so but anyway if you want a good one to start with i know i mentioned supper's ready but also check out dancing with the moonlit night just for the sheer drumming all right got a call from james richards james let's hear what james got to say froth james richards here listening to uh the first half of uh i always want to say two for tuesday but uh top three tuesday uh, I knew I liked you, but uh, especially after you listed the Stooges as uh, number one proto-punk bands, whether they're rock and roll or sloppy rock and roll or proto-punk or punk, I don't think it really matters what you call it. Um, those first three records are just amazing still. Uh, also... Uh, just if you haven't checked out Jim Jarmish put out the filmmaker put out a documentary I think it's called Gimme Danger worth checking out anyhow have a good one thanks for that James and you know I, I remember now about that Gimme Danger um, documentary coming out and uh, but I, I you know I remember you I remember it from you talking about it now. I, I had forgotten about that, and I did not see that. I got to see that. And I, I really like uh, some of Jim Jarmusch's stuff. He's got that new Bill Murray zombie movie coming out that a friend of mine texted me just last night and said it was great. And, 
He's got good taste in music, you know, the Stooges, and I know he hangs out with Wu-Tang sometimes, had Rizza and Jizza in that Coffee and Cigarettes movie, so I'll definitely have to check that out, man, appreciate it. Frost, just heard your top three punk bands, love that, love my old, love the old punk, I used to collect the old punk zines back in the day when they were put together with, uh, safety pins rusted ones and you found them laying around everywhere and and if you didn't steal it it you uh it, it didn't count you invalidated the zine uh i got you know your top three is fantastic love all those bands i mean i i'd probably have to figure out a way to squeeze in the ramones uh really love that but iggy pop at the top absolutely can't can't go wrong there. Well done. Hey, Froth. Finally got to hear the second half of your podcast today. And uh, I guess you did put the Ramones in there and the Misfits. Love the Misfits, too. Dan Zig by himself is a bit of a wank, but uh, I used to do security for concerts, so I had to deal with him a few times. Uh, let's see. Drummer-wise, though, I don't know, man. I, I'm going to go more old school with you, though. I'm just going to pick two because... You don't need any more than these two guys, in my opinion. And it's a little, probably a little predictable, but uh, Ginger Baker, man. Oh, fucking hell, that guy can, uh, that guy's amazing. I mean, I love hearing pretty much anything he's, uh, he's one of those drummers where when he's on an album, I can tell that he's the one playing it, and I don't, if even if I don't know. And then, of course, pretty much like a lot of people's god of drummers is John Bonham, because he just smashes through the music when he's playing. I mean, he just comes right at you. So those those would have to be on mine. See you, Froth. Legendary anchorite Tim Schwartz there from the Gothridge Manor podcast, and uh, he actually comes up later with one of the top three Tuesday topics. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, got good taste in music. And, yeah, I should have mentioned Bonham, but, uh, I mean, you know, I love it. Led Zeppelin is one of my dad's favorite bands, so I heard Led Zeppelin all the way growing up. I got everything they ever did. Uh one of the great things, you know, I mean, I've seen documentaries and videos just talking about the mic set up for, for his drums and how, um, kind of revolutionized that's, that's like the standard kind of like three mic set up now for, for drummers to, rec- you know, to record, um, not to mention, I mean, and it's just, yeah, like you are kind of alluding to, he just beat the holy hell out of him. <clears throat> I was thinking about uh, on Led Zeppelin 4, what is that one? Uh, Misty Mountain Hop. Love that song. That's one that just, uh, it's just like that fat drum sound to it. So, yeah, and then, um, you know, I'd mentioned before, a buddy of mine played in bands with him for years, um, was big into Cream and kind of introduced me to Cream. I guess I was like 15. I think I'd heard like one of their songs, you know, I'd heard, uh, um, whatever, one of their hits, but listening to the whole thing and yeah, Ginger Baker's nasty, all kinds of nasty. I mean, there's all kinds of great drummers. I didn't get into, you can only pick three, you know what I mean? But Bonham's definitely up there. So appreciate the call. And, uh, let's see working our way through them. Uh, Angus from Kirby's Kids has got some stuff for me. Let's check this out. 
Yo, Froth, this is Angus Collin with my top three films of 83. Starting off at number three, take off a, yeah, Strange Brew. Number two is Local Hero. Very quirky flick. Love it. Lots of great British humor in there, particularly with it taking place up in Scotland. And a killer soundtrack by none other than Mark Knopfler. And finally, number one is Fire and Ice, the Ralph Bakshi classic with characters created by Ralph Bakshi and none other than Frank Frazetta. Yo, Froth, it's Angus again. Loved your selections on drummers. Agree with all of them. Phil Collins, vastly underrated as a drummer. He's outstanding. Supper's ready. Amazing. Early Genesis, rock on. Stuart Copeland, absolutely great. Ringo, come on, he's a Beatle. But I'd like to add three more. Here are my top three. Number three, Tony Thompson from Chic and Power Station. Amazing drummer. Incredible session drummer, too, on several David Bowie records. Number two, John Bonham, Led Zeppelin, Say No More. And number one, Neil Peart, Rush. Froth, it's Angus again. Loved the punk bands. I love this music kick you're on. Okay, here are my top three. Number three, Husker Du, Minneapolis's own. Bob Mould, love them. Number two, The Skids out of Scotland. Great, great band. Stuart Adamson was in that band and then would go on to found Big Country afterwards. Love the skids. And finally, number one, The Clash. Classic, classic band. Love them. But when I think of The Clash, I also think of the transition from punk into the melding of reggae and punk into ska. So I'd love to hear your top three ska bands next. Angus there from the Kirby's Kids podcast, and thanks for that. And yeah, Tony Thompson, uh, sick. All I can say is sick. I mean, um, yeah, Duran Duran in 85, when they they were on top of the world, they just gotten done with that, like, arena album. Uh, it was like a live album, but it also had Wild Boys on there. And they did the View to a Kill um, song, one of the great Bond songs. You know, they kind of, like, took a hiatus and... LeBon and uh, Nick Rhodes and uh, I guess John Taylor was it John Taylor? yeah John Taylor the drummer went and did Arcadia So Red the Rose great freaking album god that's still a great album so layered and textured it doesn't sound like something from the 80s I mean it's got keyboards and everything but it's great and uh, and then the power station whoo Robert Plant Andy Taylor. Did I say John Taylor before? Andy Taylor, John Taylor. What was the other Taylor? God, do I not know my... Oh, Roger Taylor, yeah. Roger Taylor was the drummer. Andy Taylor, bassist. No, John Taylor, the bassist. Andy Taylor, the guitarist. Three Taylors in the band. Y'all got to forgive me. And then Tony Thompson on the drums. And sheesh, man. The thing I like about Tony Thompson, because he's done session work for a lot of people and 
one of my f favorite albums from the 80s is Mick Jagger's She's the Boss. Another album my dad had that I still love. I was just listening to it the other day, as a matter of fact. And uh, he plays some on that and then does some stuff with Robert Plant and uh, a bunch of other people, as you mentioned. Um, but uh, he's one of these drummers that um, does little subtle things that... I don't want to sound elitist, but I think to the average listener, you don't necessarily pick up on it. But like, for example, uh, um, Some Like It Hot, there's just like a little shuffle thing he's doing on the hi-hat. The Some Like It Hot, it's a little kind of a little upbeat shuffle thing. It's really subtle. It's not high in the mix. He wouldn't honestly even have to do it. You know, he didn't need to do it, but he did it anyway. And uh, very, very, very good. As far as ska bands, though, I gotta be honest with you, I know some ska bands, but I probably only know like five ska bands, so giving you my top three, I mean, I, I like the specials, uh, but I, I've, I haven't heard, I mean, I know they've got a recent thing out, but I've only heard very, very few, like a couple of early albums. Specials, I like Madness, I don't know, I don't know if they're qualify as pure ska, I guess they've kind of got some, a variety of stuff, but that, those first couple Madness albums I heard, I remember liking. I like uh, the beat, aka the English beat. Um, I like general public too. Uh, what's that guy's name? Dave. Some, I think it's Dave something. Anyway, I was just listening to that the other day. Woke my daughter up with it. As a matter of fact, uh, never you done that. Let me look up. Oh, Dave Wakeland. I think it is. Let's see. General public. And Dave Wakeling, yeah, and Ranking Roger. Um, so, but other than that, the only Scott I know the Toasters a little bit just from my skateboarding days. I couldn't t I couldn't name a Toaster song, and then I, I guess Fishbone has got a little bit of Scott kind of ska punk or something. But so I had to give you my three. I'd start with uh, the English beat specials and madness in no particular order but just uh you, you found you stumped me on that when you found a, a genre of music that i'm not super familiar with not that i don't like it it just i never never dug into it so but anyway i appreciate the calls from everybody and did my best i, I think i got every, every call i've been keeping a little notes I knew there were a bunch on this uh, for Top 3 Tuesday, so I hope I got to everybody's stuff. And uh, just want you all to know that I'm thrilled that you bother listening to what I'm doing and even more thrilled that you send in feedback and uh, calls and, and, and everything. And I love hearing everybody else's Top 3s. Uh, I really do. Um, so appreciate you all. Thank you. And um, so, yeah, I mentioned Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor. You know, I back Tim Shorts' Patreon. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's the first Patreon I ever backed. The last one I'll let go. You know, and Tim's always sending out cool stuff. I love, especially getting the zines. You know, he's got these little zine adventures. You know, and I've got this stack thick as a Bible of of uh, of Tim Shorts zine stuff. And anyway, I just a couple of days ago got the uh, the the rewards from, from last month, or I guess, I guess they're June's, maybe they're May's. I can't remember. I got a couple of NPC cards and a zine. And then on there, Tim said, uh, 
had written a little note saying, saying top three novels, Froth. You know, he went ahead and dropped a top three Tuesday topic on me for um, on the on the envelope of the of the Patreon stuff. So how can I resist that one? So we're going to take a, just a short break, uh, word from the sponsor break, and uh, I'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsors. All right, so one thing I did, listening back a little bit, make sure my sound quality was listenable. Um, I neglected to mention I also got a message from Mr. Yoder from Random Encounters in the Library, legendary anchorite who called in to kind of wish me luck with uh, with the week with with my daughter being gone, and I forgot to forgot to mention that so. Yoder knows I appreciate that very tremendously, so thank you for that. All right, so getting on to our first uh, topic um, from Tim Shorts, top three novels. Well, you know, one thing I was discovering thinking about this is that a couple of my favorite authors didn't really write novels. They're mainly like short stories and because they were in magazines and stuff, uh, thinking about Lovecraft and... Um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I love Sherlock Holmes. Love Sherlock Holmes stuff, and I've got the collected Sherlock Holmes stories and everything. And but something I like both, you know, not just their writing, but I like that I can sit down and read Lovecraft story or a Sherlock Holmes story, and you know, and be done with it after a sitting or after a couple days, you know, of, of not you know too intense reading of it, you know. But they don't really qualify because they're not really novel novelists. Um, but I knew for my top three, one of my favorite novelists is Philip K. Dick. Love, love, love Philip K. Dick. Um, even Philip K. Dick's like worst book is better than most people will ever hope to write, in my opinion. You can call it sci-fi, but it's kind of more than sci-fi. And, and if you've never read any Philip K. Dick, uh, you know most people know how you know Blade Runner is kind of loosely based on uh, "Do Androids Dream of, of Electric Sheep?" But or maybe some people have seen a Scanner Darkly. Uh, that, that's pretty good. Uh, did the uh, I forget the guy, same guy that did Slackers, I guess. Uh, man, I wish I could remember his name. It's not coming to me. I'm not going to Google it while y'all are listening, but. Um, did kind of like a rotoscope sort of deal, almost like the old uh, Bakshi uh, Lord of the Rings kind of deal. Uh, Keanu Reeves was in that, so that's I think most people's exposure to Philip K. Dick. I guess he also did. Uh, they did a, a movie of Paycheck, and they did uh, um, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Where he's on Mars. God, my brain. I'm getting old or something or it's a long day. What was that one called? All I keep hearing in my mind is a running man. Uh, the one where Schwarzenegger's memory's been taken away. and God, am I going to have to Google it? Schwarzenegger. Fill up. Can hear y'all in my brain saying it's this froth it's this total recall my bad total recall again kind of loosely based so i mean there's some philip k dick stuff kind of out there in the culture but 
so many great books. And like I was starting to say, he has an effect, had an effect on me reading some of his books. Like I'd start having weird dreams and, uh, just weird. Uh, once they start getting in your mind, just such creativity and a strange manner of thinking and just oddities. His great books include like Ubik, U-B-I-K. That's just unholy good. Um, uh, Radio Free Albemuth, Divine Invasion, um, and then it, and others. Oh yeah, they did The Man in the High Castle. That's a show. I still haven't seen that. I don't have Amazon Prime. I think that's on Amazon Prime. I've just got uh, Netflix and Hulu, and then I'll during football season I'll get Sling TV. I don't need another thing. Actually, we just got Stars because my wife likes a few shows on that Outlander or something. She's into that show. But I haven't seen The Man in the High Castle, but that's another book he wrote. But my two favorites are Vallis and uh, Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch. I know that sounds like gibberish to somebody who doesn't know Philip K. Dick, but y'all got to trust me on it. Sci-fi's, his, his writing's unbelievable. And I thought about it, kind of wanted to go with Vallis, kind of semi-autobiographical. Uh, what would you call it? schizophrenic sci-fi but i think i'll lean towards three stigmata of palmer eldritch this is a weird one colonists taking this strange drug chew z chew dash z um which kind of causes them then they bring out the perky pat layouts these it's almost like playing D D or something they bring out these little layouts of these characters and the drug causes them to kind of go into the character or be able to imagine themselves having there's this weird escapism from the the grueling, monotonous life of uh, of being a, a colonist on another planet, and it is a weird novel. I, John Lennon apparently was at one point uh, going to try to produce a movie of it, and uh, it's one I haven't read in 20 years, but I read it two or three times. You know, right when I, you know, within a few years period when I was really into Philip K. Dick, and it's one that stands out to me as I definitely had some weird dreams from that one, and it was just such an unusual book. Um, but it's hard to just pick one Philip K. Dick book. They're all so good. Um, even his early stuff, like I say, even what's considered his lesser work is uh, miles past um, many other authors, in my opinion. So I could have picked Ubik, Vallis. Uh, I mean, it was tough not to go with Vallis. Uh, but I'll stick with my pick. Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch by Philip K. Dick. I'll put it number three. Number two. In the Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. Great book. Umberto Eco, I think he's like a professor of, you know, doctorate, multi-doctorate of like symbology. Um, I believe he's Italian, but he speaks, you know, multiple, multi, you know, many languages and uh, genius, genius. I mean, you're talking genius here. Um, um, and writes novels that have a lot of history to, you know, that weaves really obscure detailed history into his novels. And, uh, Foucault's pendulum was one that was good. Some of them are a little past me. I got to admit, you know, they're a little, or, you know, they're, they're, they're a little inscrutable. Um, but in the name of the Rose is great. It's like Sherlock Holmes. It's like a, mur you know, a murder mystery, but set in an old uh, monastery, you know, uh, 
back, uh, gosh, what is it? Probably like somewhere between 900 and 1200 AD, I guess. Maybe maybe uh, around that era. Era, I'd have, have to look back at it exactly. But old, you know, I mean, old time. And he's just a, such a scholar of the the time and and how the you know was weaving in all these little details of life back then and and how the monasteries worked and, and and everything and to be able to do that with the history and then tie in this fascinating murder mystery is so great. Uh, it's a great book. That uh, there's a movie Sean Connery is in it uh, that they made of it and the movie's actually pretty good, not great, but pretty good. Uh, but if you really want to get um, read a great historical mystery, um, you can't I can't imagine anything better than in the name of the rose by Umberto Eco. Um, great book, one I couldn't put down, couldn't put it down. I mean, I read that thing as fast as I could understand it. <laughs> uh, but that was it's probably his most accessible from the, the other ones of his that I've read. Uh, you know, you have to, it's definitely, I would say definitely the most accessible of the other ones of, of, of his I've read. So it reads pretty well. Um, don't mean to scare you too much with a scholarship, but there's a lot of it in there and it's kind of what he's known for. So number two, I'm going within the name of the rose. I love that book. I love mysteries. I love history and it's got them both and it's just masterfully done. Number one. Now this is a trilogy, but it's all put together in the version I have. So I'm calling it. A novel, The Illuminatus Trilogy, by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea. Now, Robert Anton Wilson is one of my all-time favorite authors, if not my favorite author. Um, Cosmic Trigger, just too many great books, mainly nonfiction. But he wrote some novels, too. Schrodinger's Cat's another great one by him. We teamed up with Robert Shea, who incidentally is Mike Shea the uh, of... Uh, What's it called? Lazy DM. That's his dad, the uh, guy that co-wrote the book. Sly Flourish's dad is uh, Bob Shea that wrote this with Robert Anton Wilson. Came out in the 70s. It's basically, I don't know how to describe it. It's got all these kind of conspiracy theories from real life mixed in in this kind of fantasy adventure where uh, the the hero is Hagbird Selene who rides around and He's like an anarchist that rides around in a um, yellow submarine. He's like impossibly rich, and the whole plot is to stop this um, stop this band from destroying the world. This band, the American Medical Association, and uh, they're trying to like raise Nazi zombies from this lake in Germany. And uh, I mean, it's got everything in this book: talking dolphins, and it it's it. Robert Anton Wilson was really big into like William S. Burroughs and stuff and uh, hung out with Timothy Leary. And so it's got a lot of weird psychedelia and mind expanding sort of stuff like that in there, as well as like cut up method where it's jumping from plot to plot to plot. And sometimes you'll read just a few paragraphs and it'll cover, you know, 12 things happening at once. It's really original that way. Um, it's maybe, I don't know. I haven't read it in a little while, but I've read it two or three times. I don't know if it would come across as dated right now. Um, but I don't think it would. Um, I mean, it's one that I recommend to just even total strangers. If someone says, Hey, what's a great fantasy novel? It's like Illuminatus. I mean, what else is there? Illuminatus. I mean, 
if you haven't read it, it's got this ending that just, um, well, it's, I guess it's like a false ending. There's an ending and the, there's a real ending. There's like two endings. It ends and, and then it keeps going and has another ending. But the, 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 the pre-ending ending blew my mind the first time I read it. Blew my mind clear out. It felt like I, they had dragged me along for 700 pages or something just to blow my mind. And uh, I was it was a just a great experience reading that. Only book I can think of that really did like that. But but that's my number one, Illuminati's Trilogy. Um, if you haven't read it, Robert Anton Wilson, if you want some recommendations, start with the Illuminati's Trilogy and go on Amazon and, and, and get the whole trilogy in one book. Really cheap, probably dirt cheap, to be honest. And they're, they're, they are redoing uh, new editions of, of a lot of his books now that were some of which were harder to find. If you're looking for something else to read by him to get into his nonfiction, I'd say the first Cosmic Trigger book, which has a new edition out of it. Um, it's great. It'll, it, it'll start working its way into your mind and change the way you think a little bit, hopefully for the better, but... Anyway, there are a bunch of other books that came to mind. Uh, there's one uh, great horror novel, uh, Song of Cali, that was great. But uh, those are my three. I'll go with uh, Three Stigmata of, Palm of Palmer Eldritch by Philip K. Dick, and The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco, and The Illuminatus Trilogy by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea. Thanks for the call in, Tim. Hey, Froth. Just wanted to repeat that I love all of what you do. It's amazing, and it hits me right in the feels every time. Now, on the top three, I know we've heard your top three superhero comic books, I think, uh, or top three superheroes. How about your top three superhero RPGs? That is that is Frank T there from Frank T's liner notes and also uh, patreon.com forward slash Frank T unbelievable like Frank is like a renaissance man like podcasts and doing all these awesome maps and adventures and and print and play terrain and stuff love and and so I'm saying all that to say that's a huge compliment coming from me Frank I very appreciate you saying that. Um, Thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Thrilled you're enjoying it because I love your stuff. I, I really, really do. Um, so um, as far as the topic, you know, I've talked before about how I, you know, I'm the perma GM. And uh, so I don't get to play that many games. So I thought about this and it's like, it's better for me to kind of phrase it as the, the top three superhero games I want to play. Cause I've read, you know, who knows? There's so many of them, a couple dozen of them, but I haven't gotten to spend too much time playing many of them. So, uh, it would seem a little disingenuous for me to try to, you know, list the top three when a lot of them, I don't have a ton of experience with very little experience. And, um, I will say first that you'd be hard pressed to find a superhero game that I wouldn't play. I mean, these indie games that I see icons and supers and uh, save the day and bash and 
uh, rotting capes or rotted capes. I, I mean, it seems like there's so many of them that I, I would jump at the chance of playing any of them. And I've got, I've got a bunch. I've got champions. I've got villains and vigilantes. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, I've never run the campaign and no one else has run the campaign for me. So, um, I guess, I mean, I, I love superhero RPGs, but do not get to play them uh, as any, you know, nearly enough. And so these are the top three that these are my top three superhero RPGs that I've never played that I really want to play. And some of them are, you know, whatever, I think like 20 years old. So uh, out of print and so i don't know who who if anyone was ever going to run me a game of them so we'll see if i ever get to play them but number three i'm going with marvel heroic role-playing like a Mar uh, margaret weiss game with a cortex system why do i pick this one at number three well it's not because it's marvel you know um although you know that's great reason I really wanted to try this one is because it's using the Cortex system. And I have a, I had a person that played in my campaign for a long time that moved to Las Vegas and the time change was so drastic that they were unable to keep playing in the campaign. This was a couple of years ago, but they played in my game for you know, something like five years or something. A uh, good guy, and he always tell me he's like, "You'd love Cortex Froth. You'd love it. You'd love it. You'd love Cortex." You know, and so I've looked into it a little bit, and it looks a little bit different. I mean, it's got this kind of thing that some, it's kind of not up everyone's alley, where players can kind of spend whatever in-game currency, so to speak, to to make changes to the game or kind of control the game. And so some people aren't into that. I get that. It's, it's, it's a different, you know, to me, gaming is gaming, you know, whatever. I'll try any kind of different rules. I'll try anything once. And, um, there are some games where players can kind of intrude on the storyline and stuff that seem fun to me. Like I've mentioned kids on bikes a couple of times. Cortex seems like it's got a little bit of that going on, but I mean, I trust this guy's opinion. He kept swearing to me about, Oh, we got to try Cortex. You'll love it. You'd love it. Kept going about it. So the idea of, uh, that's one that's one that I wanted to try because I thought it would be a fun way into the trying the cortex or cortex plus you know cortex game system uh with a superhero game so that's one I'm putting a number three really based on my buddy's recommendation and how enthusiastic he was about cortex so that's my number three uh, number two, the DC Universe RPG, and this is one I think came out in 99, so uh, West End Games. The reason I want to play this one, because I love old D6 Star Wars, and this is um, superheroes with the D6 system. Now, I do have a couple little issues, minor issues with the D6 system, but I overall love it. And, um, and I've never played a superhero game in the DC Universe, so... It's got that bonus to it, and then I, I just really like the D6 system. Um, like I said, I I don't like the death spiral kind of way that works in, in play so much, you know. And I know they adjusted it a few times, so I, I I don't know how they do it in the super. I imagine they there's several tweaks to the system for uh, for for running the 
superheroes with a D6 system, but that's one that I would love. I'd love if somebody said, "Hey, Froth, we're gonna play the, you know, we're gonna play DC uh, Universe." You know, get you know, let's real you know, session zeros on Friday. I'd be like, all right, here I am. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so that's one that really. And now I, I don't know too much about the history of that game. I don't know if they lost the license or just didn't catch on. A lot of these games, you look at them. There's like, you know, six different Marvel games. There's like, you know, four or so, maybe more DC games. You know, companies tried to to make it with it maybe couldn't afford the license or whatever couldn't make it work so i'm not sure what the deal is why it didn't catch on or if it's just bad timing one of those doldrum periods of the hobby or i don't know uh i guess if they released in 99 and that was right before 3e came out and, and went you know sales went berserk they probably just couldn't compete i don't know don't know i'm just speculating but uh, that D6 system uh, is, is is just something I love, so uh, really like it a lot. Really easy to GM that, so maybe that that would be one that I could tackle because I'm already kind of familiar with it. Uh, easy to GM, easy to homebrew, easy to uh, character creation is always cool, and um, so that's my number two. That uh, number two superhero that I'd like to play that I've never played. And my number one superhero game that I've never gotten to play that I would love to play. Godlike. Godlike. I'm sure there's some of y'all well-seasoned folks out there. Many of my listeners I know have played many more games than me. I have a lot more experience playing a lot of more different, you know, a lot of uh, uh, many more different systems than I have. Uh, but Godlike. It sounds right up my alley. It's set like right around World War II during World War II, and um, as the war is raging on, the, certain individuals start to display talents and abilities and powers, and so it blends that history of World War II in with um, people on both on both sides or multiple sides of the conflict you know, becoming superheroes and, and gaining these talents and stuff. And that, to me, just the hook alone, sign me up. I know, um, you know, that 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 would be something where I'd be just all about it. I'd love to get in a game of Godlike. So it's got some talented writers um, involved in that that have been involved in a lot of different games and uh, um, just looks really awesome. So if anybody out there... Feels like running a godlike one shot one night, you know. Send old Froth a message on the Anchor app or send me shoot me an email because uh, I'd love to try it. So, all right, so we come to the end of another episode, and I think I've been saying in the name of the rose this whole time. It's just the name of the rose. I, struggling a little today, struggling, um, but. I really want to make sure that all the folks that called in know how much I appreciate y'all. You made the show better. Um, Rich Frazier, Liren, Colin Green, Joe Richter, James Richards, Tim Shorts, Angus from Kirby's Kids, Frank T. Thank you so much. I'm all caught up, I think, on top three suggestions. So if anybody's got one out there, um, now's your chance to get one in. You want to hear me ramble about something? 
I also want to thank the Anchorites just in general for being cool people, class acts, just the messages about, you know, messages of support with my daughter going on camp, you know, on Girl Scout camp, um, messages when she was, you know, for her birthday. I hear people all the time leaving someone else a message saying, hey, I hope you're feeling better. You know, someone mentioned their podcast, they were sick or whatever. Just all these little touches of class that I hear floating around the Anchorite community makes me proud to to be hanging with you folks. So I dig that tremendously. Um, you can message me on the Anchor app. Shoot me an email, frothsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. I picked up a few patrons recently on my Patreon. I want y'all to know how much I appreciate y'all. It's only a dollar a month. To, to me, much more important than the than the money is uh, just that I know I'm doing something that some people are enjoying. Makes me feel good. Makes me want to keep on keeping on and keep going through this schedule I've kind of created for myself. So anybody interested in backing that, you go to patreon.com forward slash thought eater. And yeah, hump day's coming up. We've got a big one brewing, as always. Tons of awesome stuff. Tomorrow, uh, I guess today I'll start sorting it, and tomorrow honing it into the well oiled machine that, <laughs> that it usually is. Uh, but you know, I start these things off top three Tuesdays hoping it'll be like half an hour, but I think it was like half an hour of, of calls and, uh, you know, two hours later, two and a half hours later, I've been recording a podcast all, all night, but I wouldn't have it any other way. It's fun. So anyway, hump day is coming up next. Logan, I'm a slave to the rhythm. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind